Welcome to Market Scale Pro AV. I'm your host, Sean Heath. Today, I have an opportunity to have a conversation with the Vice President of Technical Operations for M3 Technology Group, Philip Cordell. Philip, how's it going? It's going just fine, Sean. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, let's get right to the important stuff. Tell me the craziest story so far this year, either at convention or trade show. Well, craziest story, you know, for the past five years at Avixa, the Pro AV Show. Uh, we've been recording the AV selfie song, and then you know we encourage people to uh, take photos on the show floor and tag them on social media using the hashtag AV selfie. Uh, and we've done that, I said, the past five years. And each year, I get to dress up in just ridiculous outfits, run around the show floor, uh, shooting the video that we then lay some of those photos in on top of the the original video content. Uh, and this year, you know, there was a, a crew uh, loading in from from Samsung. And, uh, you know, just a, a large group of, of uh, cool young Asian dudes, and they had no idea what we were doing. They saw we had the camera, uh, and so we started shooting our hip-hop video with them. They jumped right in, had a blast, and then uh, when it was all done, I sent it their way. And, and in, in fact, our project became global, so it was pretty exciting this year. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just confirm to all your fans out there that uh, the audio of that is available on their favorite streaming service, so they need to go out and, uh, and check that out. I believe you're titled the world's number one AV rapper. I think that's the actual search phrase people can use to find you on Spotify, iTunes, um, SoundCloud. You're kind of a big deal. That's right. Kind of a big deal. You know. <laughs> a very small group of people, so... The the technical side of Pro-AV is really where you've cut your teeth. That's really where, you know, you you started as a cable puller. That's right. And uh, I'm just curious, how close are we to that being a thing of the good old days or the bad old days if you were the one having to pull the cable? How close are we to being totally cable-free on an installation from start to finish? You know, that's a great question and, and has been the, the boogeyman, I think, of, of the pro-AV world for a while. And, you know, from my perspective, we will always need uh, reliable cable paths. You know, uh, there's only so much bandwidth out there for wireless communication to travel on. Uh, and so, you know, it's not so much that we'll stop pulling cable, it's just that the type of cable we pull has changed. And so when I started, we were pulling a lot of composite video pulling that five wire, uh, you know, and, and crimping connectors for days. And that has all been replaced, uh, as I'm sure you know, with Cat6 and shielded Cat6 in, in most cases. So I, I don't think we're, you know, in danger of, of uh, being a cable-free industry. Uh, but, you know, as with every other industry, things change, and, and that's how they're changing right now. Let's take it from a physical standpoint. How close do you think we're getting to actually having the construction side of the equation start to factor in a little more intelligently that they could go ahead and lay down these pathways during the construction period. Is that something we might see? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And, and you know, as a, a pro AV uh, house, we do a ton of, uh, you know, discussions with construction uh, firms, with GCs, uh, and even architects on the front end, you know, to make sure that, that when we're trying to get cable from A to B, whether it's room to room or building to building, uh, that those things are checked off on the front end, you know, and, and, uh, and honestly, AV, you know, as a lot of AV pros know, you know, we're, we were often overlooked, you know, which was, uh, which was unfortunate and made us feel less than, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, since kind of the convergence with the IT world, you cannot overlook the IT side of things. Uh, and, and saying that you didn't make accommodations uh, for network cabling, you know, will get you fired. And so the fact that we have, have, uh, you know, really blended our skills with some of the skills on the IT side, I think has benefited us in a lot of ways uh, because 
you know, more often than not now, our cable pass aren't getting overlooked because they weren't, you know, on a, on a separate super secret set of drawings that only, you know, the telecom guys had. You know, now, now the, we're on the com drawings with everybody else, and it's great. Well, another thing that's, that's been trending lately is that it's not just about hanging TVs anymore. It's not just about wiring up a conference room. There are so many layers in building an AV experience now that you do get to be at the table when, when the original plans are drawn out. Yeah, that's right. And, and that focus of, uh, you know, of providing an experience and not just a TV to watch has really you know made us rethink what we do as an industry and i think it's uh, it's super helpful to us not just you know to to give a better overall experience to the end user but you know to to help us know that uh that we're we're doing some good in the world uh, you know it's easy and obvious in situations like hospitals or clinics or places where you know that the work you're doing is helping people get get help or get well or whatever it is uh, but really, you know, by, by kind of curating these experiences and in, enabling the communication for the corporate world, for, you know, for all these other realms uh, of business, when we focus on the experience, we get to be, a, you know, get to be a partner and more than just, as you said, a, a guy that hangs a TV, even though that was by far the simplest way to describe to my friends and family what I did uh, when I first started in the industry 11 or 12 years ago. You know, you know we hang TVs. That, that's it. Well, over that same time period, you know, 10, 11, 12 years, I've noticed that the industry has started to place an emphasis on the user because nothing frustrated me more when I was hanging TVs than to provide a training to a customer and then go do a check-in on them a couple months later and the system's not being used at all. And it's because the back end, the software, the CMS was just confusing or it wasn't intuitive or they didn't, you know, they weren't getting the great results like a pre-made package that our graphics artists had made back at the shop. And we, you know, we put them in as a demo. Hey, here's what you can do. And they just seem a little overwhelmed. Part of that, I think, is because it's it's not intuitive for most people. They're afraid to break it. And... I think one of the ways that has eased some of that fear from the user side is that codecs are changing. It's not all about just hardware anymore. We're moving into the software-based codecs, and that gives a little more room for error, hopefully a little softer landing spot. If a user breaks something, they can just hit undo, and, and it's all good. How have you seen that change in the industry? Yeah, it's interesting you should say that because I think the old paradigm was kind of, you know, no news is good news. If you don't hear from a, a customer, they're probably happy and we've moved on to doing, you know, other, whether it's classrooms or auditoriums or theaters, whatever, uh, you know, we would we would do an installation. We would train and, and verify that people felt well-trained on it. Uh, and then we'd move on to the next project. And, and with this focus on experience, you know, that, that does mean some follow-up, uh, you know, 30, 60, 90 days down the road. Uh, and, and you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's very often people will just stop using technology instead of waving their hands or admitting that, that it's not working for them. And we see that, you know, in pro AV and we see that, you know, even in, internally, if you try to roll out a new process, you know, in your business, if it doesn't stick or if people aren't adopting it, you might not hear about that unless you go poking around, uh, you know, and, and people, well, you know, it didn't work. So I just started doing it the old way again. Okay, well, that's, you know, that's a bummer. <laughs> Nothing, nothing's more disappointing than a six-figure, you know, installation that turns into a clock. 
That's just so, unless, of course, that clock has a Ferrari built around it. Sure, sure. Whole different situation there. But yeah, you're, you're right. Sinking all this money in, into, uh, into these systems, we, we want them to be exactly what the end user wants. Uh, and so again, by focusing on, on the experience that they're having interacting with this system, uh, you know, during and after the installation, uh, we can make sure that they're getting what they wanted, what they paid for. And, and that's, it, it's just that, that, service first mentality, you know, that focus on customer satisfaction and the customer experience that, you know, again, a lot of people in our industry uh, didn't take the time out to uh, really to cultivate those relationships. You know, it all comes back to that in business, right? It's always, it's all about the relationship. And, you know, as long as we're keeping our customers happy and checking in with them, then we'll get that future business. Uh, you know, we'll, they'll find creative ways to not have to bid it out. Or if we're a little bit higher, they'll just accept that fact because they know they're being taken care of. You know, and, and that's okay. People will pay for that premium service. And that's, you know, that's something that I think some integrators certainly always have understood and others maybe maybe have not. Uh, you know, and the ones that didn't and that just relied on moving boxes, you know, if that's all the customer cares about is the cheapest box, you know, you're going to get put out of business by Amazon or by whoever down the street will, you know, by CDW or whoever is willing to lower their margins, you know. And th that's not really the kind of business, you know, that we go after in my, my personal business. Well, you know, the flip side of the coin with the end user experience being simplified, the technological side of that coin just keeps growing by leaps and bounds. The technology never stops advancing and evolving at an exponential rate. That is one of the biggest challenges that I've seen for an implementation staff. There's so many choices. There's so many technologies. How do you parse that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, with, with the supercomputers that everyone carries in their pockets now to make phone calls as well as to do, you know, a hundred other tasks, uh, as the pro AV integrator, we are, you know, we're being pushed by, by the consumer world. And when, when a CEO, you know, can, can use Alexa at home, you know, through his echo, uh, that really is more to me what drives, you know, innovation in the corporate realm. Not so much us saying, Hey, you guys should do this because it's going to be really cool. Uh, Sometimes it's that, but just as often it's people saying, well, I'm doing this at home. Why can't I do that at work? Uh, you know, and so how do we parse through the, the myriad of new technologies that, that come about? Uh, you know, personally, we have an R&D department, and so we focus on testing those things. You know, something that always stuck with me is we absolutely want to be on the cutting edge of technology, but, but we never want to be on the bleeding edge of technology. Uh, it's easy to you know, to tear down a reputation that, that we've spent 15 years building, uh, you know, by overhyping or overinvesting in a technology that is uh, maybe premature in its life cycle, you know, and, and isn't really ready for showtime, but people think it's the next big thing. And you hop on that wave and it, and it takes, uh, takes your business for a ride. Something that I always enjoyed when I was working as an installer was having a test customer, a customer that was willing to be the demo and it gave us so many different opportunities to improve because it gave us an opportunity to test real world conditions which you can never get in a lab i don't care what anybody says you can't so i always loved having a, a client that was willing to say yeah let's go let's test this thing so that was a great uh, freeing environment but it also gave you an opportunity to deal with the customer service side with the end user satisfaction before you ever rolled it out to the real real world as opposed to the test real world Pro AV seems to be moving towards the service 
um, aspect that a lot of companies are, are, they're not just hanging TVs. They are focusing and and rebranding themselves as service companies. That's got to excite you quite a bit. It, it really does because it, again, just provides another, uh, you know, stable line of revenue and a, a way to, to stay in front of the customer more frequently. You know, if the only time we see our customer is every three years when they're ready to refresh a set of conference rooms or classrooms or something, then, then I don't think we're doing our jobs right. Uh, you know, just from a sales perspective, we should be checking in more often than that. But uh, certainly when you've got somebody on site providing on site support uh, and, and that type of service level, uh, you know, it just keeps keeps in mind of the customer that I need these guys. These guys are part of the team, uh, you know, and, and, and that really is the secret in the sauce, right, is becoming a member of their team where, yeah, I don't have to learn everything there is to know about AV because we've got AV guys, you know, and it's M3. You know, it's, it's just that simple. Like, we don't have to spend a, a lot of time spinning our wheels on that. We'll task them with that. They'll come with a solution that we trust, uh, and then we'll implement. We'll go from there. So you're right, a test customer, a customer who uh, who you have that partnership relationship, uh, those are invaluable relationships because you can get a whole lot of information uh, for your own business as, as well as obviously information to help shape uh, shape what you're selling them. You're making an excellent point. There, there are four basic opportunities to interact with your customer, and three of them are not great. One of them is when something's broken. One of them is when the customer doesn't know how to use it. One of them is when you have to go and try and renew a contract with a customer. And the other reason is when you get to help a customer and you get to build that relationship. And the more opportunities you have to to have that fourth interaction with that customer, the less um, impactful the other three become. Yeah. Is that is that true? Is that a thing? The four, the four things? I had no idea. That's why you have a podcast on market scale. <laughs> Let's say that, yes, it is one of those four things. I like it. If it's not, you need to trademark that. Write your book, my man. I just, you know, I had the opportunity to just put as many miles as we do working in the industry. And there's always that little knot in your stomach when you're pulling up to the site. You're like, oh man, I hope they're not, I hope they're not mad. I hope it's not broken. I wonder if that one closet that was next to the, you know, to the kitchen got flooded. Oh, what can it be? And you're going through all these reasons. And then you walk in and they say, oh no, everything's fine. We just, we, you know, we'd love for you to show us how to do this. Or, hey, we're thinking about this neat idea that we saw. And then just the whole tone of the, of the trip changes just in an instant because they you get an opportunity as an installer to be seen as a person you're not seen as just a a robot who's come to fix something there's a there's a there's a really big emotional uh payback that comes when you're friends with the people that you're working with absolutely agree and i call that that uh pit in in my stomach that's the alarm that tells me it's go time so get ready. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Nightmare stories. We could have a 27-hour podcast for, for charity as a sure. as a telethon or something that could go through all the horror stories. So tell me about, let's go from horror and mayhem and destruction. Let's talk about optimism. You get to see all the new toys, both the ideas that you're coming up with and then the things that other people come up with when you go to the trade shows and the conventions and what really has your attention? What have you seen lately that you thought, oh man, that's going to be a big thing? You know, the uh, a lot of the technology with LEDs and OLEDs, you know, the OLEDs, 
you know, as the prices begin to drop on that stuff and it becomes more attainable, I think that's going to be a, a you know, a little bit of a game changer for our industry in terms of the brightness and the clarity. Uh, you know, I've seen some really cool stuff done with with the LED curtains and the film, you know, that goes on the exterior uh, of a window or something, or perhaps on the interior of a window and you can see through it, you know, it's transparent. Uh, and then at nighttime when they, they can throw some, some content up there, uh, you know, architects really like that stuff because you get to maintain your beautiful scenic vistas and then, uh, and then throw on some razzle dazzle later in the day. And, you know, that stuff's always been around or, or some version of it has, has been around for, for a while, but, you know, I feel like price wise, it's finally, uh, getting into the realm of reality for us. And, and, you know, between that and all the really awesome stuff you can do with projector mapping, uh, to create again, these unique experiences for people, you know, whether it's at an arena or a stadium or, you know, a, an interactive art installation, uh, the pricing on that stuff is, is competitive enough that, uh, I think a lot of the maybe the artists that couldn't previously express themselves in this medium, you know, have an opportunity to do some really cool stuff, make some really cool stuff for the world. Uh, so that that's the sort of thing that gets me, you know, jazzed up. And, you know, there's laser projectors. Those are cool. I mean, there's, you know, there's a number of things in our industry that are kind of, you know, important to our bottom line. You know, we're, we're a, a major Crestron house and sell a ton of Crestron stuff. And we just did a, a flawless, massive uh, installation with their NVX boxes, you know, their, uh, their video over IP, uh, and it went, it went perfectly. And that's after, you know, years of working with SVSI and some of the other competitive solutions. Uh, and, and now Crestron's has worked, uh, again, flawlessly for us. So, you know, stuff like that, uh, kind of melds the two worlds, I guess, as well about being great for the bottom line, but also have that cool factor. Uh, you can go in and talk to the IT folks about that. And, you know, you'll blow some minds initially when you tell them what kind of network infrastructure you need, uh, you know, and the type of bandwidth that it takes. But but it's cool being part of those discussions, you know, and being at that table as well with the with the architects of, uh, of the IT world. Well, usually as the last question of the day, I like to ask something open-ended about a great project you worked on or, you know, a, a neat location you got to install in. But I'm not going to do that because... I want you to tell me about the OLED interactive tunnel that you built. You got it. That sounds absolutely mind-blowing. You have to tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, you know, again, this is a one of these cool opportunities that we that we have that that doesn't come around all that often. We hope we hope to see more of them. Uh but, you know, it's part just OLED magic, you know, the clarity, the brightness. Uh it, we covered the walls and side walls of a, of a prefabricated uh, tunnel. Yeah, as you call it. Some people were calling it the claw because of the way it looks as it sits down in this large lobby. Uh, other people called it the tunnel of love. Uh, and, you know, the content is uh, custom, of course, and, and interactive. And so you can pull things up on the screen, uh, you know, blow them up, zoom in, get additional information, uh, and really create an immersive experience uh, in a very, you know, small area of space you know it's a small footprint and so in this you know essentially 10 by 10 space we're able to you know to transport people into another world right and that's a that's a pretty cool thing to do through av so pretty excited about that well i know you're gonna add a few more frequent flyer miles before the year is up you've got a couple of big shows coming up that you're going to go to so i'm gonna go ahead and get an informal commitment 
from you to have another conversation once you get back from those and and see if your opinion on the next big thing has changed and maybe you might have a secret or two you could spill then. I don't want to put you on the spot now. Today I've had the pleasure of having a conversation with Philip Cordell, the Vice President of Technical Operations for M3 Technology Group. Philip, man, thanks so much for taking the time. This is really cool. You know, this has been a blast. As long as we have this much fun, I would love to do it again. And for all you folks that are in the Twitterverse, check me out at the underscore AV underscore pro. Thanks, Philip. Have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.